God in this place. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. God's got a word for us today. I hope you've come ready to receive it. Before we dive in, Pastor Russ mentioned these cards. Our, our, our theme for Easter is open tomb, open door. That's what I'm going to be preaching on next week. It's going to be a clear, precise presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to be expecting souls, amen, a harvest. Part of that is you. The other part of that, open tomb, open door, open seat. Look around. We've got a pretty good 930 service in here, but are there any open seats? You know somebody that needs Jesus. Don't just invite them. Bring them. That means you follow up. That means you text. That means you call. That means you email. That means you show up at their house. That means you bug them to death until they, all right, bring somebody. Bring somebody next week, and let's believe God. Amen? Let's believe God for souls. All right. We're in week two of Approachable God. And last week, uh, we discussed a tale of two mountains. This week, our, our title is Presence Over Protocol. Presence Over Protocol. Not like Christmas presents. All the kids were like, yes. <laughs> Not Christmas presents. Presence like the presence of the Lord over protocol. Last week we discussed, like I said, a tale of two mountains, the difference between Mount Sinai and Mount Calvary. We talked about the terror of Mount Sinai and what the people went through and the impact that that had on Jewish theology that went right up and stretched right up for centuries into the time of Christ. It impacted how they viewed God and how they thought about God right up into the time of Christ. To the children of Israel, God was so completely untouchable and unapproachable that even hundreds of years later, that's the, that's the mindset that they had. They rejected the idea that God desired to have a personal relationship with them and not just a corporate relationship with the country or the nation of Israel. They could not comprehend that God wanted to have a personal, intimate relationship with each of his children. They knew, see, their worldview, they, they knew the only the high priest could go into the very presence of God and only one time of year to offer the sins, offer the sacrifices for the sins of the people. They knew about Mount Sinai. They knew a lot about their history. They knew about the protocols to enter God's presence. They knew about the absolute holiness of God, and it frightened them. They were, they were afraid. But Jesus comes on the scene, and he's teaching about a God that would soon be approachable by every man, woman, boy, and girl. And thousands of people were listening. Thousands of people were believing. And it made the Jewish leaders furious. It went against everything that they knew and everything that they were teaching. They were mad no matter what Jesus did, no matter where he was. They were, they were mad at him all the time. We talked about that. And, you know, they weren't completely wrong about the Old Testament. The problem was that they were blinded by their own greed, by their own tradition, by their power, and by their influence 
to recognize that Jesus represented a better way, a new covenant. It was all written in the Old Testament, but they didn't see that because they were blinded by their own junk, their own stuff. The big idea from last week was the tale of two mountains is the story of the same God. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The difference is Jesus. Somebody say that with me. The difference is Jesus. Everybody, the difference is Jesus. So this week we're talking about presence over protocol. So so that we're on the same page, let me give you a definition of the word protocol. This is just a dictionary definition. A system of rules that explain the correct conduct and procedures to be followed in formal situations. The main thing you need to remember there is a system of rules. Rules. The Jewish leaders (laughs) were all about the rules. They knew all about the rules, and they had a bunch of them. 613 rules. Rules on how to worship. Rules on how to live, how to practice their faith, and how to enter God's presence. Now, in our context, in our world, if you want to have a planned meeting, think about this. If you want to have a planned meeting with a, v, a real VIP, I'm talking about top level, a president, head of state, maybe an A-list actor or a sports figure who's at the very, very top of their game, you want to have a, a meeting, maybe a CEO of a, of a Fortune 500 company. If you, if you actually are lucky enough to get a meeting with someone like that, you're going to find out very quickly that there is a protocol to how you're going to interact with that person. As a matter of fact, you're not going to interact with that person until the few minutes that you get with that person. You're not going to just send them an email. You're not just going to call them on the phone. You're not just going to walk up to their door. You're not just going to stroll into their office. It doesn't work that way. You're going to deal with publicists. You're going to deal with personal assistants. You're going to have security and bodyguards and and limited schedule. It'll be just a few minutes that they have. Why? Because their whole day is planned out. And it's a world ruled by protocol and rules. I, I got a, a, just a small glimpse into this in a couple situations. I have a good friend in Mobile, and his brother is a major league pitcher and has been for years. He pitched in the World Series with the Boston Red Sox when they won, and then the very next year went to the Giants and won and pitched in that World Series as well. And at his height, when he was pitching his best in 07, he won the Cy Young Award. This was not just an everyday player. This is an $11 million a year guy, okay? And I got to kind of go into that world just a little bit and see it's a different deal. It's a, when, when they wanted to talk to this guy, they didn't talk to this guy. They talked to Luke, his brother, because he he was the manager. When you got him, you got him for a little period of time. In 1991, I I was a senior at Mount Perrin Christian School, just down the road. It wasn't in Kennesaw. Then it was in Marietta at Mount Perrin North. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, President George H. Bush was running for re-election, a failed re-election, but he came to his his team decided to come and, and, and campaign at Mount Perrin School, where I was. 
And so, uh, you know, when he decided to come, it was a planned meeting. That means everyone knew that he was coming. And when the president makes a planned meeting, when it's on a schedule, secret service and security is at the highest level because people know, enemies know he's going to be there. I was blown away. Okay, they, the Secret Service didn't just arrive a few hours before the president got there. They came three days ahead. They were in every nook and cranny of that building. They were on the roof. They were in the woods. They set up a command center in one of the rooms and had wires running up and down the hallways. They had dogs walking up and down the hallway where we were trying to have school and they're sniffing on the, the, the blockers. Can you imagine? I mean, this was unbelievable. Believable. My mom was a government teacher at the time, and so the president came in and got to meet with just a small group of people. My mom was on that, 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 that advisory board and, and, and was sitting there with Dr. Walker, Pastor Walker, and some few other people and got to see that. But I just will never forget the protocol for someone like that making a visit. I researched, talking about protocol, I researched the protocol for someone meeting with the Queen of England <laughs> and how they should dress and how, how you should act and how you should talk and even how you should touch the Queen. Spoiler alert, you don't. You don't. And this, you know, this, this protocol is even for the, the top people, that even like the president. He has to follow these rules too. There's a no-touch rule. The Queen's visitors have to wait until she extends her hand and before you take it, and you do not squeeze tightly, and you do not, can you imagine, she's like 150 years old, can you imagine, you don't pump, <laughs> no hugs, no kiss on the cheek, no touching the shoulder. In 1992, Australian Prime Minister Paul Keating was just ripped apart, assailed by the British media when he like grabbed her, put his arm around her like this and for a, a photo op. And, they, I mean, they ripped him apart because of, of, of getting so far out of protocol. When the queen enters the room, everyone stands. It doesn't matter who you are. The only exception was when her mom was alive. Mama didn't have to stand. She was the only one. And when first meeting the queen, she's always addressed as your majesty. And then, ma'am, after that. And then when she departs, you address her as your majesty, Again, I don't see anybody taking notes. This is important in case you meet the queen. Come on now. And if she calls you to host, if she wants to come to your house, it's important to know that as she comes in, you have to know everyone at the party because you have to introduce every single person. That would put me right out. At the, I'm horrible with names. I can't remember my best friend, let alone the, the, everybody else. So that would just put me out of the, the running right there. Anybody else with me? I would be totally embarrassed because I wouldn't know everybody at the party. This is my favorite one. At least when they're in Britain, when the queen stops eating, so do you. So I don't care if you've only had two bites of your filet mignon and lobster. When she puts a fork down, you're done because they're, they're grabbing your plate up and you're finished, so you better hurry. A few years back, the president messed up during a state dinner at, the Buck, at Buckingham Palace. And at the beginning of his speech, this is funny, 
At the beginning of his speech, he mistakenly said the words, Your Majesty the Queen. That sounds fine, right? That sounds very honorable and everything. But the problem was, it was like he had put a quarter in the jukebox. The orchestra was automatically prepared. Anytime anybody said, Your Majesty the Queen, bam, they start playing. God saved the Queen. And he's trying to, <laughs> he says that, they start playing, and he's trying to do his speech over the top. Of that music, and he doesn't, until he looks over and sees the look on her face, he finally realizes how bad he had messed up. And the stories like that are common because it's protocol that we're not used to. It's protocol. Heads of state, people, representatives, and things, they have to know all that stuff, and you're going to forget something along the way because it's protocol. Here's the point not everyone can approach or gain audience with these VIP people. You and I don't have much of a chance, folks. They're not easily accessible. They're not easily approachable. You can't just stroll into the White House or into the Oval Office. You can try, but you're not going to get very far. And even, listen, listen, and even if you do get fortunate enough or have a reason enough to get an audience, to get a meeting with one of these people, it's so produced and so formal and the protocol is so strict that it's not even enjoyable and it's very rarely productive. My mother, she was talking about because she got to meet with the president during that little small group. She doesn't remember any of it. She doesn't remember any of it. Why? Because it was too formal. It was too stuffy. There were too many rules and, and, and when, when that happens, our mind overloads, doesn't it? And we're worried we're going to do something wrong, and we can't even remember what we're doing, and later we don't remember it at all. Pastor Allen, what is the point? Why are you telling all this? These are just people. These are just people like you and me. What about God? What about the God of the universe, the creator of the universe. We found out last week that Jesus made a way for every person to access and to approach God. But what's the protocol for approaching God? What's the protocol for hosting? Think about it that way. For hosting God. Wow. That brings us to our, our text, and I love this story. This is a great story. If you have your Bibles, I'm in Luke chapter 10. We're going to have it on the board, beginning with verse 38. Now listen, everybody look at me. This is good stuff. I don't mind telling you, this is good stuff. You're gonna, you really need to focus in on this today and receive what God would have for you. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village. That village was Bethany. It was about an, uh, a mile and a half from Jerusalem, and they were on the way to Jerusalem. This was right before Jesus would be crucified. They were on the way there. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Who welcomed Jesus? Say it. In John's account of this same story, it talks about Martha welcoming and serving Constantly serving Jesus. That's a good thing. Martha was a go-getter. 
Martha was an administrator. She was a server. She, she was a leader. She was out front all the time. She was the one, you know, when everybody else was chatting at the end of church, she was putting chairs up. She was doing whatever was necessary. Anybody wired like that? Come on, Martha was a go-getter. That's who she was. That's how she was wired. If it, hey, if it weren't for Martha, Jesus may not even ever even come into the house. If it weren't for Martha, he may not even ever known this family. Verse 39. Oh, before we read that, it's, it's important that we know that, they might know who Martha's brother is? Lazarus. And the sister, Mary. Lazarus was the brother, and he had just recently been raised from the dead in front of hundreds of witnesses. This was a big, obviously, this was a big deal. This has just happened recently. Good to know that. Verse 39 Martha's sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. In John's account of this same story, now see, Luke, he wrote his story down based on interviews with people, mostly Peter, about what happened. There's, you know how you have different perspectives based on different people, right, or the same event. Well, and John was there. And John said he not, she not only sat and listened, but she got this bottle of perfume, very expensive perfume, and poured it all out on him, anointing him, and the aroma filled the room. That bottle of perfume, it is said in the word, was worth one year's salary. In the United States, the median income throughout, if you averaged the median income in the United States is $50,000 a year. Can you imagine pouring, being able to pour, just like Eric was talking about being in that position to be able to pour out that much money and give that much to the Lord. I don't know what kind of position Mary was in, but she didn't matter. She was going to pour it all out in that situation. And her worship was poured out, and it filled the room. Now, notice something. Martha welcomed. Martha served. Mary sat, Mary listened, and Mary worshipped. Okay, got that? Verse 40, but Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. All these ladies are going, oh my goodness. Now, all right, all right, get this, get this, get this. Look on the board. Martha was focused on protocol. Mary was focused on Jesus. Martha was distracted by a job, a task. Martha was thinking about chicken. She was busy, get this, get this, she was busy entertaining Jesus. But Mary was worshiping Jesus. All right, you didn't get that. Let me say it again. Let me back up. Rewind. Okay. Y'all don't remember rewind, do you, you kids? Well, I guess the DVDs do that. <laughs> anyway, what's, what's rewind? Be kind. All of you are over 40 years old that just said that. Okay. Martha was distracted by a job. She was focused on entertaining Jesus. Mary was focused on worshiping Jesus. There's a difference. There's a difference. 
This worship team is not up here to entertain you. I can say that because I know their heart. I talk to them. I interact with them. I I minister to them. We, we, We have a relationship. I know their heart. They're not up here to entertain you. They are up here to lead you in worship. There's a difference. Let's move on. She, meaning Martha, came to Jesus and said, Look, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Any parents in the house? Does that sound like your kids when you want them to do something? Come on, be honest. It sounds like my girls, anytime I want them to do any work, this is what I get. It's not fair. She's not doing as much as I am. Yeah, I know, Rachel. You're sitting right there. Don't even look down. I know. Listen, Martha was telling on Mary to Jesus. These were adult women. And Martha is telling on Mary. She said, tell her to come and help me. And you love it. Verse 41. I love this. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha. Okay, time out. Everybody look up here. He says, my dear Martha. Listen, Martha's distracted. Martha's sideways. She's messed up. She's she's upset. But Jesus loves her. Jesus wired her like this. To get things done. We're all different. We're all different. Jesus loves her. But he says, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. He's saying, you're worried over what you think it means to host me. What is really worth your time? The one thing. Anybody like that? Come on, be honest. Anybody anybody like that? You're, You're looking for something to do. The idea of sitting is not pleasant to you. The idea of waiting. Come on, I'm that way. Hey, next Sunday is what? Details. You guys were in the parking lot, striping the parking lot, Pat, yesterday. We're getting, we, they were in here working on the sound system, doing a phenomenal job, doing all this stuff, all this stuff, all this stuff. And yes, it all has to be done. But when the time comes, next Sunday morning, listen to me, somebody hear your preacher today. I don't care if the lights fall to the ground. I don't care if lightning strikes the building and there's no power. We're going to celebrate Jesus because the only thing that matters is he is alive. And we celebrate the risen Savior next Sunday morning. I don't care what happens. I don't care if nothing works. I don't care if it rains and storms. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus because he's alive and he's worthy of our praise. And it's the only thing that matters in that moment. Verse 42, Jesus says, Martha, 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 there is only one thing. Everybody say one thing. Worth. Being concerned about. He's saying, I know there's other things to be worried about. You know, all that. I know. 
I know there's deeds. I know there's chicken burning. But right now, right now, there's only one thing. Come on, somebody. There's only one thing. And Mary has discovered it. And I'm not going to take it from her. There's three things from this story, three takeaways that I want us to hit. Number one, Martha was upset because she got distracted. Martha got upset because she got distracted. Everybody look at me. We are no different. Are we? When we get our eyes off of Christ, when we start focusing on things to do instead of on Jesus, it won't be long before we get upset about something or someone at home, at work, or right here in church. You want to know why there's church division, church splits? You want to know why people argue over the carpet and leave a church because... Oh, come on. They're distracted. They're focused on things to do instead of on Jesus. That's good preaching, Brother Allen. Number two, not only did Christ make God approachable, but listen to this. Jesus was counter-cultural. He made a way for everyone to be in God's presence, including women and children. You think, well, what's the big deal about that? Oh, it was a big deal because it was unheard of in that time period. Matthew 19, 14 talks about the children. Remember the story where the children are wanting to get near Jesus? They knew something was different about him. They were attracted to him. They wanted to go and play with him. They wanted to sit on his lap. They wanted to be around Jesus. And the disciples were mad. And they were like, no, kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. And Get them away. And Jesus rebuked his disciples. And he said, no, no, no. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. These kids are important to me. You let them come and I'm going to bless them. That was not, never happened. Never happened. And as far as women are concerned, women were not even allowed inside the temple. Women were not allowed to even sit near and hear the rabbis teach about God. The King James version of this actually gets this right. I don't use the King James very often because it's sometimes hard to understand. But it says that Mary also sat and listened. That word is important. Mary also sat and listened. What that means is there was a room full of men. And John's gospel confirms that. A room full of men. But Mary also sat. And when Jesus didn't go up, time out. Mary, I'm sorry. You know the rules. (laughs) Honey, I'm sorry. I love you, but you, you know the protocol. You're going to have to, he didn't do that. And because he didn't do that, he made it very obvious, his heart and God's character. 
He was going to do away with that mess. Because, come on somebody, Jesus made a way for everyone to approach him. Every man, woman, boy, and girl who would. He wanted them to come into his presence and experience him. Now God bless Martha. It was Martha who invited Jesus into her home. It was probably Martha that that organized the whole thing. Come on, to be honest, Martha's probably the one behind it. I know Martha. I know Martha. My mom is Martha. Spent a lot of years with Martha. I got a lot of Martha in me. Anybody? It was Martha who was outworking everyone in the room. Pastor Joel, <laughs> I see you back there. That's Martha, male version right there. <laughs> but Martha got distracted with protocol of entertaining Jesus. And then she missed, she missed, she missed the main point. Number three, experiencing the presence of Jesus is the one thing more important than serving him. Let me, let me, a couple of you, I heard you, a couple of you got that. Let me say it one more time. And you can push back on this because it almost sounds wrong. You can push back on it, but you're not pushing against me, you're pushing against Jesus. (laughs) Experiencing the presence of Jesus is the one thing more important than serving him. Why? Because we can't serve him effectively if we haven't been with him. We sit and hear him first. We sit and get his heart first. We sit and get our marching orders first. Just think about when they found Osama bin Laden, when, you know, in that compound. They, when they knew for sure that he was there, did they send team the, the SEAL team in like, just, hey, we, quick, 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 before he leaves, go get him. They sat for hours and days, and they planned together, and they met together, and they, they got on the same page together, and then they went and took him out. It's the same way for us. Come on, come on, come on. It's the same way for us. Before we do anything, we need to approach God. Before we make any big decision, we need to approach God and pray to Him. Before we decide to do anything, we approach God first. We need to know His heart first. We need to be empowered first. We need to be refreshed first. We need to be anointed first. And then we serve. And then we do. And then we go. That's how we serve the king. That's how we make a difference. That's how we walk in purpose. Listen, if we don't do that, We'll start out on the right track, but we'll end up somewhere else. If we don't get our marching orders from him, it may be a good thing. 
it may be a great thing. Was she doing anything inherently wrong by serving Jesus, by trying to make a meal for that? Come on, no. But if we focus on that and our agenda, what we want to do and not what the master wants, we're going to get off track, we're going to get upset, we're going to get mad, and we're going to leave the church. Y'all didn't know I was going to preach like this today, did you? Let me ask you a personal question, getting ready to close. Personal meaning only you can answer. Your mama can't answer. Your friend can't answer. Young people, listen to me. Nobody else can answer this but you. Why are you here this morning? Why are you here? Are you checking the church out? Great. Were you made to come? Fine. I want everyone in this room to think, why are you, or are you checking off a box? Is it all about protocol? I'm supposed to go to church on Sunday. Or are you here to worship? Or are you here to learn? Or are you here to experience the presence of the Lord? Are you here to be empowered by his spirit to go out? Martha was concerned about the protocol of serving Jesus more than she was about the presence of Jesus. Let me read that last verse that Jesus gave her. Verse 42. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. I get, look up here. I can just see Jesus just kind of grabbing her face. Because even while he's talking to her, come on, this is so true. Even while he's talking to her, she's going like this. She's like looking around him. Peter, wipe your feet. Somebody take him out. I'm smelling the baked potatoes. Come on, just a second, Jesus. And, and he's like, no, wait, wait. Come on, I'm telling the truth. This is the way it happened. I promise it is. I think he like grabbed her face. (laughs) Martha, Martha, Martha. And then finally she mm, made eye contact and he's grinning because he loves her. There's only one thing worth being concerned about right now. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary was hanging on every word. Mary was pouring out her worship. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. If you'll put it up on the board, A.W. Tozer was one of my favorite preachers and writers of yesteryear. He died in the 60s. He says, it is God's great pleasure for us to fully rest in his presence, moment by moment. God created humanity expressly for the use of his pleasure and fellowship. Never forget that. Never forget that. That's biblical. That's scriptural. Nothing in or of this world measures up to the simple pleasure of experiencing the presence of God. We're talking about presence over protocol. In closing, Jesus is not the president. I wish he was for any of these folks. Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. He's not. 
He's not a head of state. He's not the king of England. Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the son of the living God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus rises above all of this. You understand me? Jesus is above all this. He is not bound by the protocol and the formality of this world. All he wants you to do is come to him just as you are. Just as you are. No matter who you are. No matter your skin color, regardless of where you live or how much money you make or what talent you bring to the table, it doesn't matter what's in your past or what's happening right now. You don't have to have a special backstage pass. You don't have to know the right person. You don't have to have the right last name. You don't have to have the right pedigree in your line. He just wants you to come. big idea. Look on the board. Experiencing the presence of Jesus is the one thing worth being concerned about. We're about to pray. Some of you already know this. My wife's mom, my mother-in-law, passed away Friday night suddenly. I'm going to stand in for prayer for her and the family in just a few moments. But I'm not the only one in, in family that has needs in this house. 